Welcome to episode eight. Today I'm chatting with B Porter of Be Connected. She runs a social media company and helps brands find their voice and expand their reach across social platforms. B is a native Houstonian and mother of three girls with the motto, anything is possible with the help of Google. When she's not brushing up on the latest social media trends, she's usually at a CrossFit or yoga class, sometimes both in the same day. In 2014, B began managing other social media accounts and decided two years later in 2016 to start her own social media management company, Be Connected. The best part of her business is telling her clients stories through social media and blog posts and helping them shine. Hi there, I'm Isabel Kateman and I run Stripe Dog Creative a website strategy and design firm dedicated to helping service-based entrepreneurs create strategic and elegant websites so they can attract their dream clients, raise their prices, and scale their businesses. I'm so excited to have you here for the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast. Tune in each week to hear practical business advice, tips on embracing and learning from failure, trust me, it's going to happen, and real talk on trying to create a balanced life as an entrepreneur for my guest experts and, of course, from me. Ready to turn those dreams into a reality? Let's do it. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on this episode of the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So tell everyone a little bit about what you do in your business and also your journey to where you are now. So I'm a social media manager. We provide social media posts for several industries. I guess I'll get into more of that later. But I started off just doing it as a side gig and it was a part-time thing. Well, I was full-time working in a school doing a little bit of marketing and I just had a knack for it. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed connecting people with their target audience. And I had a few people that were like, can you do my social media? You know, And I'm like, no, no, no. It's just a side gig. Anyways, eventually I stopped saying no and I got a client, which turned into three clients, which turned into me having to turn away clients. And so... I took a leap and left my full-time job to go play on social media. You can't see the quotes on the podcast, but <laughs> air quotes. And I started my business full-time. That was four years ago. And now we're at 30 plus clients and we're a team of people. And it's been a crazy up and down journey, especially with the pandemic happening in the middle of all of it. But yeah, and we've gone from just you know creating posts on Facebook here and there to now managing Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter and blog posts and all kinds of content. So it's definitely grown much further than what I thought it was going to. Yeah. And I think that's incredible. And I love just hearing like founder stories. I think so many people are so unaware of like the crazy journey that it takes to get somewhere. I think, especially on social, you see so many people that are acting as though like overnight, they suddenly had this like full-time business that was paying the bills. And so I always just like to ask all of my guests, like how they started, because I think anyone listening to this, who's feeling really overwhelmed or dejected or still doing it as a side hustle, like I'd say 98% of the people I have on this podcast also started as a side hustle, including me. And I think it just takes time to kind of ramp up and get there and also just have the confidence to be able to take it full-time. So the number one thing I would say is the confidence. And I was lucky enough to have a friend who also has his own digital marketing agency. And he would constantly tell me like, you're good enough for this. Like, you're really good. He was like, write it in your notes, (laughs) you know, 
because yeah, it's scary. It's scary to leave a job I was at for seven years. And back then, I mean, I guess everyone knew social media was, you know, good for their business, but I don't think they knew it as much as now post pandemic when everyone was at home for so long. And I feel like digital marketing is a huge part of everyone's marketing strategy now. But yeah, the confidence. And if I wish I would have had that in the beginning, I probably would have made the jump much sooner than I did, but it all worked out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I mean, the mindset is so important. I, this is like a little aside, but I literally do mantras every morning now. And I'm so not woo woo. Like when someone first told me this, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's no way in hell that I'm getting up each morning and doing that. Like you're insane. This doesn't work. And lately I change it, you know, every so often, but lately my mantra has been like, I am the CEO and really trying to think like a CEO kind of go higher level, really not let myself get bogged down in the weeds and learn to delegate and learn not to be such a perfectionist and type A and all of the things. And it is crazy how like mindset really does play a role in your business. And it's so important. And mantras really do work much to my chagrin. Well, I'm right there with you. I'm probably maybe halfway woo-woo. Like (laughs) I am a yoga teacher also. So, but I feel like I'm more of a yoga teacher because, you know, the fun and the stretch, not like the meditation and the um ink. But I also was doing mantras. I was writing in a journal every day and I did a vision board. I did multiple vision boards for what I want my business to look like and how much money I want to make doing it and how many clients I wanted to have. And I have surpassed that first vision board. So, you know, it's not going to hurt anything. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You might feel like an idiot, but you're the only one that knows about it. So I'm all for those. <laughs> yes. Until we talk about it on a podcast, but yeah, sure. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So let's jump into social. Social, I have to say, is the bane of my existence in my business because coming from the ad agency world and doing social every day, I sort of never want to do social again, but I see it as this kind of like necessary evil. So I'm very excited to talk to you today because I'm hoping that you can like transform and shift the way that I think about social. But why don't we just start with kind of the basics? Business owners wear so many hats. We're entrepreneurs. We're doing a million different things. What is your recommendation for people who feel overwhelmed and feel like they have to be on like all 20 plus platforms or whatever they're out there now and they just like don't even know where to begin? So I have two thoughts on this. One, if you're going to hire someone to do it for you, sure, be on all of them because someone else is creating that content. Someone else is going to be putting it out there. You don't have to do anything. If you're doing it yourself, start with one. I've seen so many people that are like, oh, well, I have to be on Instagram and I have to be on Pinterest and Twitter and now I have to be on TikTok and what the hell is a reel? And you know, and you get so overwhelmed that they end up just not doing any of it. So I tell people not even to pick the one where they think most of their audience is on, pick the one that they are most comfortable with. Start there. So if you're more comfortable with Twitter, but you're like, I don't think a single one of these people that follow me are going to be on Twitter. You're like, I need to be on Instagram. You need to be consistent about creating content and posting first. And you're more likely to do that if it's on a platform you're already comfortable with. So I strongly suggest starting off small, maybe picking two to three posts per week on one platform that you're comfortable with and do that for a month or two. And once you get the hang of it and it doesn't feel like such a chore, then you can start adding on these other platforms slowly. I'm all about baby stepping. 
Yeah, no, I think that's so important because I think it's easy to get overwhelmed and it definitely helps when you kind of break it down. And especially if you can pick a platform that you're either comfortable with or kind of enjoy being on, it definitely makes it easier. In terms of, so let's say you pick Instagram and you know they're rolling out reels or they're always rolling out something new or you're on Instagram doing reels and you realize like, oh, I feel like I should now be on TikTok. What do you tell people about like all of these different trends. And then you see all of these things around like, you know, you have to do reels now. That's what Instagram is pushing, or it's so easy to get a large following on TikTok. You have to go on TikTok. What's your advice with like these kind of trending things? First off, it's not easy to get a following on any platform. (laughs) Like, I think that's the one thing that drives me crazy when clients come to us. They're like, I really want this to go viral. And I'm like, you can't (laughs) plan viral. Like you just can't, you know? Of course, I want all my content to go viral. Right. But it's not easy, which is why there's people like me. You know, it, it is very difficult now that so many businesses are on it. The all sacred algorithm reduces who can see what. And Facebook wants you to pay to have your content reached and Instagram and Twitter and all these platforms, right? So, yes, ideally, when you're creating more posts and if you're using the new tools that are coming out, it does. Now, are you going to get 20 million followers overnight? No. But right now, you know, Instagram is kind of fighting with TikTok. So that's why they introduced Reels. And so anyone who creates Reels, they are more likely to push your Reels out to people than a regular post. So the algorithm is going to push that Reel out to more people. So yeah, if you can make a Reel, do it. If it's so far out of your like left field, not even happening, then don't stress about it. Again, posting some content is better than no content. But I also tell people like, just try it. Just try it. Especially people that are in that boat where they hate social media, they're not posting that much. Not to be mean, but they probably don't have a huge following. <laughs> so because they're not posting that much. So if they post a reel and it sucks, like just delete it. Not that many people are going to see it, you know, but you've got to try and get started. So going back to that, start on that first platform. And then again, if it's not going to overwhelm you, try some of the new features. Don't be scared if it's horrible. Like my first TikTok, oh my gosh, my first TikTok is embarrassing. And this is, you know, three years into having my own social media agency. And I'm like, crap, I should really know how to do this, you know, but you don't learn until you get started. Yeah. And I think I love that point that you made about, you know, like you can always just delete it. I think one of the things I've learned most as a business owner, like one of the biggest lessons that I've taken away is just care less. Like you're always going to be able to find a flaw with something. If you're looking for it, there's always going to be someone out there who disagrees with you or kind of like wants to get into it with you. There's also on the flip side, going to be people that find it so helpful, even though you think it's terrible. And so I think that's just been my biggest thing is just like care less, like stop worrying about what other people think, just go for it. Well, and that also, so I always tell people, if you're wondering if you should post it or not, the answer is yes. Like it's always yes. And I actually, I get this text from people who aren't even clients, like friends, old acquaintances. I mean, it's people, some people that I haven't talked to in years will randomly message me on Facebook. Hey, I know you do this social media thing. (laughs) Should I post this? And I'm like, yes, because you're never going to know if it works or not unless you post it. And people feel so silly marketing themselves or, you know, posting, this is what I ate today. And here's my cat, who's my coworker while I'm working from home. But, you know, there's other people that relate to that. And really social media, it does three things. It helps you kind of like be aware, get the word out about businesses and be informed. 
So people use it as a resource, but people also use it for entertainment and a break from the day to day. And so posting your kitten picture or your food picture or, you know, whatever it is, is a break from someone else's day. And then the third thing is connection. And so people will feel connected to you based on what you're posting. And ideally, you'll end up attracting the people who are your target audience, you know, who want to follow you and want to see more of that content. So if someone doesn't like it, they're just going to keep scrolling, which is fine. Occasionally, you get the jerk that's going to comment and, you know, it's social that happens, just delete it and move on. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so on the flip side, if you think something's incredible, you've put something together, you're like, this is the best post I've ever done. And it doesn't work and your audience doesn't like it. Is that an indication that that type of content doesn't work or just that particular post doesn't work? Like, how do you kind of keep clients motivated when they think something was really going to hit and it just didn't? So, and this has actually happened to me. I wish I had the post. It was going to be the funniest post ever. (laughs) I really thought it was hilarious. Oh, it was something about keeping a product waterproof. And I created this graphic with like a gremlin in it and was like, even if, you know, water won't get it. I can't remember what it was, but I'm like, this is classic. This is amazing. Everyone's going to love it. I think it got like two likes. Oh no! It was a total bomb. And I was like, gremlins, people, they can't get wet. Like, come on. (laughs) And yet it's disappointing. It really is, especially when you put that much thought into it. But no, you should try not to be defeated. I get people get they get defeated by that. They also get defeated when they do like their first giveaway and it doesn't, it just bombs. And they're like, I'm giving something away for free. How come people aren't liking this? So there could be a number of things going on. If it's just a post, it could be the timing, just the time of day that you posted it. It could be the graphic. It could be that didn't grab people's attention enough. So they didn't read it and didn't read the copy. It could be the audience that you're boosting to. So I always recommend trying things again. So let's say someone doesn't like a pun, you know, you're like, oh, my audience doesn't like puns, never using them again. Like try it again the next month with a different type of graphic that maybe is a little bit more appealing. Try things with words or text on the graphic, try things with just pictures. So you've really got to, you know, try multiple ways, I think three or four times putting content out there before you're like, okay, never mind. This sucks. Move on. Which is fine. It's fine. That happens. You're not going to please everybody. Right, right. And just because I mentioned giveaways, I want to throw that in there because people do get really, I mean, just downhearted on giveaways. They're like, why is this not working? And so you really, I always tell people to start small with their giveaways, like a really simple ask, like, like this post and you get the prize. The bigger the prize is, the more of an ask you can have, like tag a person, post a picture. I would say $100 or less, ask for a like, maybe a tag, if it's your first giveaway. As you start doing more and you get a pretty dedicated following, I feel like you can ask your audience to do a little bit more and give them like a $5 gift card to Starbucks. Like People like that, but you need that dedicated following first. So yeah, you know, you got to keep trying see what works, what doesn't. And you're never going to know unless you put it out there. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point on giveaways. I think, you know, we're all kind of so used to seeing giveaways from huge brands that are like, you know, tag three friends and like this and comment here and post a picture of this. And it's like, you know, if you're target or something, you can get away with that. But if you're kind of just starting out and you're a small business, you definitely can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had someone, we were giving away hundred dollar gift cards to total wine. 
and not that many people participated like free wine, you know, but it was too much of an ask. So, you you know, I've definitely learned over the years of doing different giveaways for different, you know, platforms or different industries, depending on their following as well. So, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, with all of this social, honestly could take a 40 hour work week if you wanted it to, if you were really going to like put in the effort to create content or do videos or do reels or whatever it is. And so when you're kind of advising a busy business owner, how do you suggest that they like find the time or carve out the time? So I always tell people to set aside one hour in your calendar a week for social media. So for me, it used to be on Sunday. That was my one hour that I would just, you know, create content for that week that's coming up, two to three posts. And obviously a video is going to take a lot longer. So if you want to do a video that week, maybe that's you just do one post that week. But then the next week, do three posts and create a few graphics, maybe in Canva or post a picture. But really, you can get a lot done in one hour a week if you carve out the time. I also tell people, even if you have nothing in your mind about what you're going to post for, just sit down for that one hour in front of your computer and start typing. I use Grammarly to type out all my stuff. And just to start typing ideas, you know, and even if the first thing that comes to mind is, I don't know what the hell I'm going to post, write that out. There's something about typing it out, writing out your thoughts. It just get the brain juices going and you're going to start coming up with content ideas. So yeah, dedicate that one hour to creating content. And then if you finish, you still, you know, like, let's say 30 minutes, you happen to knock it all out. You had some great ideas then go ahead and get on social as your company and engage with other people on that platform and also check out what other people are posting because that's going to give you more ideas for later on. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up. You know, I hear all these different rules like the 135 rule or whatever, right? You like post once, like 3, comment 5, you know, whatever. <laughs> They're like recommendations that you give clients not just on posting but also on like engaging with their followers or engaging with brands that are similar to them or have a similar audience. Yeah, I don't give guidelines like that because I feel like that when you have a certain number where you have to comment, okay, I'm supposed to comment five times. One, it again becomes overwhelming. And two, you might become spammy just to get that fifth comment in. So what I tell people is to go in when you're posting and go follow some new accounts. I usually go to the hashtags that I'm using that's similar to the topic of whatever I posted. I find some like-minded accounts. I'll follow them. I'll like a few of their posts and then go through your feed and comment on stuff, but not anything spammy. Again, if you just copy and paste the same comment over and over again, people know it's generic. I like to only comment if I truly would as a person comments on that. You know, It does help increase your engagement and that dedicated following. It also helps to follow your competitors on social. I follow lots of other social media managers. I think there's enough of us that need social media management that I don't feel like I'm like direct competition with them. But that's how you end up creating a community and kind of help each other, right? So even if you don't want to, let's say you're a local coffee shop and you don't want to follow other local coffee shops you know, in your city, follow some other cities, you know, it might give you some inspiration. And also y'all can like start that community. Yeah. And I think too, you know, like I have so many website designer friends and, you know, marketing strategy friends, because I think too, you each have your own niche also. And so it's like, you know, things aren't always a good fit for me, or I don't have the bandwidth or vice versa. And so it's nice to know those other people. And I think anyone 
who is in your same industry, who's not interested in connecting in that way is probably not a good person to be connected with because I think there's definitely enough business to go around, especially if you're you know, kind of niche down and really specializing in something. And so I think it's good advice definitely to try to create a community over competition. 100%. And I'm also a big believer in that I don't know everything. <laughs> and there's plenty of times where I need to reach out to someone in the same industry at you know, our same field and, hey, like, what would you do in this situation? Or has this happened to you? What do you think about these new changes? And then again, going back to that, not a good fit. I mean, I've had lots of clients that were just not a good fit. And if if that's true, then, you know, they're going to be unhappy with my services. So I'm not going to try and, you know, force it. Instead, I rather refer them to someone who I think would mesh better with them and they'll have a better experience. And so, yeah, I have a few people local and all over that, you know, are also social media managers. So yeah, absolutely. I think personalities really have to fit. Like that's big for me. Especially when it comes to social media and when I'm trying to like mimic, you know, the client. Like I have to understand somewhat of, you know, the tone and the language and that kind of stuff. So Totally. Totally. So if someone is overwhelmed by all of this and they decide, okay, I want to hire B or someone like B, and I just don't want to do this anymore. Are there certain things that they need to have in place? Like I assume, although you can obviously tell me, but I assume if you're like a brand new business and you kind of don't have a strategy or you don't have these certain things in place, it's very difficult for someone like you to kind of come in and take over. So are there things that you, does someone need to be in business a certain number of years? Or are there things that you're looking for someone to kind of prep before they reach out to work with you? So for my services in particular, I do recommend it being someone who's been in business and is already seeing some growth and some profit, you know, year over year, because we focus mostly on brand awareness. And for like someone who just started out, they might not really need that. They might need like, I need people buying, I need people coming to my, you know, store. And you don't really see a direct return on brand awareness right away. So I definitely don't want people being out of pocket. (laughs) You know, I think brand awareness is very important. Someday I will write a blog post on why (laughs) organic social and and the return on that. But I think an established business is going to be more likely to want that organic social. I found smaller businesses will come to me And they're really looking more for like email subscribers or clicks to the website or purchases. And I'm like, well, that's really more of ads. So I'll tell them, you know, you should find ads that you still need that organic social piece, but maybe you handle that in-house. Going back to what they need to have prepared though, before coming to me, I actually have lots of clients that don't have any kind of marketing strategy. So I have a template and I've done this for smaller clients too, that maybe they still want to manage it themselves but they just want some kind of strategy, some kind of direction. So every new client we get, I have a template that goes through their goals and how they're going to track those goals and how they're going to create content, who their audience is. So we usually spend about an hour to an hour and a half going through this questionnaire. And it really kind of lays out, it's meant to just be their social media strategy, but it kind of lays out their entire marketing strategy. And I always tell them, you know, save this. And every few months you should revisit it, see how you're doing, see if you want to change some things up. So really, they don't need to have anything in place to come to me. We've had clients that have everything, brand guidelines and graphic designers, you know, and professional photography and all of that. But we've had clients that are like, look, 
my business is booming, but I know I need to be on social and I don't have anything. Can you create it for me? Sure. (laughs) We figure it out. So, yeah. And so for businesses who like, you know, are really overwhelmed or, you know, don't have the time to have a presence on social, but they, you know, are able to hire somebody like you, what do you tell them when they're a little bit concerned that they're, you know, you may not be able to capture their voice? Like, how do you work with people to make sure that from an audience perspective, no one can tell that someone else is maybe, you know, writing the copy or managing the account? That's why we also do like an initial strategy meeting is so that I can kind of hear their voice. And that's one of the questions, like, what's the tone? If someone, even if they don't have a storefront, I'm like, if someone were to walk into your storefront, you know, imaginary storefront, even what would it feel like? You know, I really try to get to know them and I don't like, you know, some people will just like send off a questionnaire, answer these questions. I'll send you back your content. I'm like, I really like to talk with the people so I can get a better idea for their voice tone, culture of the company. But then also they're seeing everything before it gets posted. So usually, so I joke about this, but like I used to be kind of like a mimic when I was younger. When I was like a little kid, I was really good at mimicking friends and other people. And I feel like that's helped me be successful in life where I can kind of mimic the language, you know, of some of my clients. I'm really good at speaking, you know, their lingo. But I always send them content before it goes out. So they're able to see it. They're able to say, hey, like, maybe not like this, or we need something more. Even I don't like that word, you know, whatever it is. And we can change it. And usually if we get that feedback, like the first few weeks, first few sets of content, I'm able to be adjust and like we get it moving forward. So there is always a learning period, but it usually goes pretty quick. You know, we catch on to what they're wanting and what they're liking, what they don't. Yeah, I know. I think that mimicking is so helpful. Like I know, you know, when I do copywriting for my clients, it's always, I love recording a speaking session with them actually, because I feel like people speak so much more naturally than they write. So I love to kind of hear the way that they talk so that we can make their site a little bit more accessible. I feel like when people write, they tend to second guess themselves. And so whenever, you know, someone's having trouble with copywriting, or even when I'm struggling to kind of write the copy, I always just like take a walk and record myself because I feel like it comes out so much more naturally. See, and I'm like the opposite. I like having being behind a computer where I can like type. Well, I mean, if anyone listening to this podcast, I'd stumble over my words and and my thoughts. And so I feel like when I can tie in, I am very, which no one can see but you, but I'm very animated with my hands. So I feel like if I could just sit there and type it all out, I'm like, oh, that's what I was trying to say. You know, but when I say it out loud, but I always joke, there's a reason why I work behind a computer. Like I'm really, really funny and I'm really good at like, you know, conveying messages and communicating if I can type it out. (laughs) So that's so funny. I feel like being outside and moving always helps me think. Like I feel like whenever I'm getting stuck, if I just like stand up and walk outside, suddenly like all these ideas come and I'm like, oh, I should have gotten up from my desk sooner. That's the difference. That's why you do websites (laughs) and I do social media. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) Different brain power. No, I don't know. It's all similar. (laughs) Very true. Very true. So when you're struggling to come up with content or, you know, when you're kind of helping clients come up with content, do you have certain rules that like every business should have like these four types of content or are there certain go-to things that kind of help you come up with content so that you're not always just kind of feeling like you're recycling the same stuff? Yes. So a few things. We first... When creating the calendar, I always look for unique holidays. 
So the beginning of the month, I'll create, I mean, every holiday you can think of, you could start Google unique holidays for November and it'll all come up, right? And not that you're going to celebrate every single holiday for on social, but you might find like a fun one. Book Lovers Day is coming up. And so for a lot of our clients, we either sent out like a book that they recommend or we are asked an engagement post. What's the last book that you read? So there's so many ways you can use it. And then you also get to ride the ties of that hashtag, hashtag Book Lovers Day, you know. So that's the first piece when you're looking for content. Always start there. And then fill in content around it, depending on what your clients' followers like. The majority of our clients actually have a, their followers love quotes. So I only have one client that if I, I tried posting a quote, it didn't work. It was construction. They were not into it. I tried it again a month later, horribly failed. But a lot of people do like those inspirational or motivational quotes on social, which is why we see them everywhere. So I always tell people you know, have a quote, have an article, a video, and then maybe a funny quote and a tip and a team highlight. And then you have that holiday post and a service post. So you do want to vary up the content. I try not to do like I wouldn't post a team highlight and then a blog post and then a buy our services post all in one week. Right. So I tell people to follow an 80-20 rule, 80% of giving something back, which could be free tips, free resources, engagement, something funny, motivational, all that stuff. And then 20%, oh, by the way, we have this service. Okay. And even a team highlight, I count that in a service post 20% because really you're not giving anything to the client. You're talking to the follower. So you want to follow that 80-20 rule in your posting. So let's say you're posting three posts per week, 12 posts per month, 10 of those are going to be your quotes, your engagement pieces, your funny stuff, your tips. And then two of those posts will be, hey, we have this service, check it out. (laughs) You know, so another thing, if you're getting stuck on creating content is go and look at some of your favorite brands. So it, it could be completely unrelated to what your brand is or does, but it helps give you ideas. I also very regularly will search electrician memes or plumbing memes or, you know, like accountant memes. Like It just like in quotes and just to kind of get the, again, brain juices flowing and get some ideas. Not that we just post memes, but Google is your best friend when trying to come up with content. Oh, that's so funny. And so I know you touched a little bit on this earlier and I think correct me if I'm wrong, but almost everything you've been talking about so far has been organic. But when people are looking to do potentially do both or just aren't sure which one they should do, when do you recommend doing organic versus when you recommend investing in paid? So I always tell people, ideally, a complete digital marketing strategy is going to include both. But if you have to pick one or the other, it depends on what your goals are. So are your goals to increase your brand awareness and your engagement and your following and kind of like the long end goal, then that's more of your organic social. If you have an event that you need people to sign up for, or you're like, here's this coupon, $5 off of this you know, party, or you have something to offer, a very specific call to action, that's an ad campaign. And again, there's benefits to both, right? So ideally you would be doing both. But we usually, if someone doesn't have like a specific offer, I try not to recommend. I just don't want them like wasting their money on 
leads that might not, you know, <laughs> go anywhere where I feel like if you have a specific like sign up for this free trial, that kind of thing, it kind of helps out a little bit more when it goes to ads. The organic social is more of the long game. So I always tell people, think about your ideal client and think about where they are a year before they come to you. And that's the person you want to target because you want them to already know so much about you and follow you. And you have become the thought leader in all things, whatever your niche is. And so a year later, they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be a social media manager. I need to hire her. You know, so that's what you really need to play the long game with the organic social, which, again, is why I usually tell people just this is our strategy. They're coming to us that they usually want to have like an established business because again, we're not going to bring customers in right away. It's that long, long game. We're more of, I always tell people, you know, you have the billboards on the side of the highway that people will spend thousands of dollars on. Or I remember having a realtor friend that posted this picture on the shopping cart, the Kroger's. I don't know if you'll have that up by y'all, but that's here in Houston. But I'm like, you spend thousands of dollars on that and who knows who's going to see it. So at least with organic social, I'm posting it and I'll boost it for a few bucks here and there to your target audience. So at least I know who's going to see it, you know? Right. Yeah. That's really helpful. I think that's super helpful. So I won't put you on the spot now to come up with like a bunch of them. We'll put them all in the show notes, but I'm sure you have like a ton of amazing resources for people. Can you just talk about a few resources maybe for like you have go-to editing or go-to scheduling software or go-to posting software, whatever it is. And then we'll definitely make sure to put like a full list that you send us in the show notes. Yeah. So I have, and I actually have a template that I can send out. So that makes it pretty easy for scheduling and kind of planning out your posts. But to actually create them, Canva is great. It's free. They have the paid version, which I think is 100% worth it. Something like 10 bucks a month. Like if you're going to be doing it yourself, so you don't have that other expense of a social media manager, it's totally worth it for the paid Canva one. But if you don't want to use it for free, they have like tons of graphic ideas, tons of template ideas. You can upload your own logo and create your own brand kit. So if you're not a graphic designer, I suggest using that and just using one of their templates, make it really easy on yourself. You can slap your logo on it and, you know, boom, done. And then to schedule that content out is later.com, which again, you can have one set of platforms. So one Instagram, one Facebook, one LinkedIn, one Pinterest, like one of each for free. And you can schedule out, I think it's up to 20 posts per month for free. So you don't have to pay. If you wanted to pay again, it's like 10 bucks a month, but create all your posts on Canva, upload them into later, and then you can schedule them out and you literally can forget about it for the week. So I don't, recommend forgetting about your social. You do need to check it. You do need to engage. However, if all you do is get the content out there, that's better than nothing. Another tool that I just discovered, it's something called Jarvis. So it is a little bit more expensive. It's like $30 a month, but it is like an AI content writer. And so, yeah, it does like you can put in a topic and it'll help you come up with like social posts and blogs, all kinds of stuff. So I've tried it out. The posts, they're good. They're not like amazing. Like I do think they need some editing. But again, if you're someone who's not, you're like, I have no idea what to post. You could literally use this to help you just kind of get started. So ideally, you could do it all yourself for what? 50 bucks a month, $10 Canva, $10 later, $30 Jarvis. 
you know, but that's more of a, I guess, piece it together, easy thing, you know, if you want to just to get started. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard about that. That's so weird. I feel like one day we're all going to be replaced by robots. <laughs> no, well, okay. I was real excited about it. And then I got on there. And I was like, nah. like I see now because I was wondering, okay, I'll be honest, be real here. I was wondering how in the hell do people charge a hundred bucks a month for social media, like for content? I'm like, how can they create so much content for that? I'm like, it's so cheap. Cause I've tried to like, you know, I tried a while ago to be in, you know, like, okay, let me see if I can lower my prices. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm just working too much to have this like detailed content. And I realized, oh, they're using Jarvis. Like it's totally not custom. It's AI, it's, you know, so you can tell it's more generic, I guess. So it's, again, great if you can't do anything else. If you're absolutely not a writer and you have no idea what to post, then I think that that's great. But the benefits of hiring someone like you to do the you know, copywriting for the website or me to do the social is that you get that custom feel. AI is not going to know the tone, you know, or the language or be able to mimic the person. Whereas me and you can have a conversation and be like, oh, like, you know, this is what they're going to like. He really likes puns. Let's include that in her website. Like, you know, where AI would be like, I don't get it. Yeah. No, I always, my life motto is you pay for what you get. So I think that's so important. I think, you know, it's fine when new business owners are starting out and they don't have the clients and they kind of just, you know, we've all been there when it's a side hustle and you kind of just need to make it work and do whatever you can. But I think as soon as you can, and once you have the money, it's really so, so, so worth it to hire like real professionals who know what they're doing and who are probably charging more, but they're charging more for a reason. Yes. I'm a big believer in you get what you pay for. Not saying that like everything has to be expensive, but I feel like, you know, I trust that people are going to charge what's reasonable. But then also if someone's like way undercutting everyone else, it's like, oh, what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know. No, absolutely. So on that note, as we wrap up this episode, if you could go back to your younger self, and give yourself as you were starting your business, or maybe when this was even just a side hustle, one piece of advice, what do you wish that you could go back and tell yourself? Oh, set boundaries. Mm, So important. Set boundaries with clients. I was very like, well, I'm a people pleaser anyways. And so I'm like, I will post this. You're going to text me at 5am. I will update the copy, you know, set boundaries, get a Google voice number, turn the notifications off at the end of your business day. Yeah. So I'm just now learning, but four years later that, you know, that's very important that, and I know I only got one piece of advice, but the second one, if I could would be, be more confident. Like, yeah, you've got this. There's a reason why you have a passion for it. You've got this just, you know, that's the number one thing. I love that. Yeah, no, I think both of those are very important. And I think both of those come naturally with time, but I do wish for myself too, that both of those came naturally a lot earlier than they did. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was so exciting having you here. If people want to follow you, get in touch with you, work with you, how do we do all of that? So I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Unfortunately, I'm terrible about checking and posting my own personal crap. So if you see, I occasionally on LinkedIn, my personal LinkedIn and Facebook, I post stuff. But it's mostly like cat and kid pictures. 
But yes, we're also on Instagram and I can send you the links to all of that. So on Instagram and Facebook for the business, we post a lot of tips and ways of doing it yourself. So it would be good, you know, a good follow for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more. Yeah, that's awesome. And I assume people can work with you through your website. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Contact information. Yes, you can contact us through the website and all the other many platforms. (laughs) So we get messages all over. So (laughs) perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was so much fun. This was so helpful. I feel like you've motivated me now to go and like carve out an hour and try to post some stuff on social and not just avoid it. So thank you. I'm going to keep an eye out for it. Yes. I'll be the first one to like it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Mind Reading Marketing Podcast with yours truly, Isabel Caitlin. If you love the show, I would appreciate it if you could leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love hearing from all of you. Share it with a friend, family, colleague, or anyone you know who may benefit from this episode. Remember, you can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at stripedogcreative.com. All right, that's it for today. See you next time.